Welcome to Magic at the Margins. I'm Anella Malik, founder of Feed the Malik, food blogger and content creator, and I'm here to bring you all of the grit, ingenuity, and magic happening in and around the food space. Through interviews with small business owners and the perspectives of marginalized food folks, you'll find it here, so let's dig in. All right, folks, so it may have been a few weeks since you heard my voice, and I took a little break. Life happened and I decided ultimately to end the first season of Magic at the Margins a little sooner than I expected. But I'm back right now with a special holiday episode featuring one of my faves, Danielle Salmon. So we decided to do this episode together because as two people who spend too much time on social media, we get a lot of questions. How do we manage this? What apps do we use? And both Danielle and I believe that sharing information is essential to our platforms that it's not a secret what we've tried, what has worked, what hasn't worked, that we should share it so that other food bloggers, content creators, business owners can learn from it and can maybe try it for themselves. So let's dig into it. Danielle, I'm so excited to speak with you today. How are you? Hey, not too shabby. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. It is a beautiful Friday and You know, this episode is going to be all about giving people knowledge and tips as a little gift for the holidays. So it's got me kind of excited. The holiday season is officially here. You ready? I'm so ready. Like, I'm just, I just need it to be holiday so I can clock out and not look at the laptop for work. So I'm I'm geeked already. I feel that. I definitely feel that. So before we get into all of your best tips and tricks for food bloggers, could you just give us a little bit of background about who you are, where you're from, what do you do? Yeah, totally. So um, my name is Danielle Salmon. That's uh, S-A-L-M-O-N, Salmon Like the Fish. L is silent. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> just throwing that one out there for you guys. But um, I live in Altadena, California. I tell people I live in Los Angeles because most people don't know where Altadena is. And it's really um, about 20 minutes northeast of LA. So I'm just far enough where I can kind of get away, but also close enough that if I wanted to get in the city, I can easily be there. But I run a website called followmygut.com. I'm the chief eating officer. So the CEO of that website, which is a restaurant discovery site that helps people find places to eat, whether it's here in LA or internationally prior to COVID. Um, And (laughs) my goal is always just to let people know, hey, if you've got money coming in and you're looking to go out to eat, these are the best places to go. So to help people avoid spending their money on places that really aren't that great, I kind of vet it out. And then I'm like, hey, this is a great restaurant. I go here all the time. So something similar to what your typical food bloggers do, but really with the emphasis of, hey, at the same token, I don't want you to waste your money. I love that. And I think that's important. And you say it's something similar to what a lot of food bloggers do, but you and I both know that a lot of food bloggers will post about food they don't like. Yeah. <laughs> Dang. We're only like 27 seconds in and you're like, go for the jugular. <laughs> like, I mean, it's true. It's, it's true. true. It is very true. Sometimes people get a check and they're like, oh my God, this was so good. And you're like, girl, no, it is not. Um, no, it's not. But on the flip side, I'll tell you, I had a brand reach out to me for a paid partnership and we, we only talked very preliminary details. There was no contract, no nothing. I didn't let it get that far, but I said, Hey, before this goes any further, just letting you know, I've never tried your product. So I'm going to go to the store tonight and I'm going to try it. Mm -hmm. And I will let you know as soon as I do. And as long as it's something that I think makes sense for me and something I actually enjoy, I'd love to proceed to, to, you know, with this partnership. 
And they they absolutely ghosted me after that. Oh, <laughs> and it was, you know, it was just like I get it, whatever. But from my perspective, it was like you know we we fielded one email back and forth. It's not like I wasted a whole bunch of anybody's time. But I do understand why some bloggers would be hesitant to want to inject that into the process because it's complicated, right? Negotiations are complicated. Figuring out what you want your blog to focus on is complicated. It all seems so complicated. So you're going to break it down for us today. Yeah, it is complicated. A, I'm so, let's start with the fact that I'm sorry that that happened. (laughs) I wouldn't have thought they would have ghosted you at the idea that they're just saying, hey, that you're just saying, I just want to go check out the food firsthand. But to hear that, I guess it's like, hey, you dodged a bullet. So kudos to you. (laughs) So you focus on restaurant discovery. And how did you decide that that was going to be your niche? Yeah. So I think it's really exciting that I'm in a city where there are so many restaurants. I definitely think Mm -hmm. that's a advantage for something that I'm doing compared to another city where that might not be as prevalent. So when I decided to really do this, it was in 2014. So food blogging was just really starting to kick off. It wasn't as commonplace as it is right now. So the ultimate goal was really I just needed to find places to eat and I wanted to share that with other people. A bit of a selfish nod of if I'm telling somebody else to go eat there, then I should really go continue to eat at more places. You know, like if I needed another excuse to keep going out to eat, it was my food (laughs) blog. So, and it was like, I'm so busy eating out. I can't work out. There's no time for working out when I'm dining. So there was a lot to it that I used as an excuse and justifications to what was making me happy. But then it really delved into, oh my God, when you tell people a great restaurant, they get excited because then they can take their friends, they can go mm-hmm. do solo dinner somewhere and not feel awkward. And then at the same token, you're really helping this restaurant, which in turn is helping its employees, which in turn is helping the community. So it just became this huge justification of me doing something that was really fun that built upon itself. Absolutely. I mean, you start off with this small project and then it just kind of snowballs. Mm -hmm. And I just kept (laughs) letting it go and go and go. You know, it's like 11 p.m. and you're teaching yourself how to use this new software that you just Googled and you don't really even know anything about it. And Mm -hmm. you're in it. Yeah. You're in it. Exactly. Um, So so you started in 2014, right? You started a blog as, as a reason to keep getting out and about in this incredible place where you live, where there's so many options. And now, you know, I've, I think I've started following you maybe a year and a half ago and you are so dynamic and so busy. So you have your restaurant discovery site and your Instagram, but you're also a full-time professional and you're really open about your desire to lose weight, which you, you a little bit alluded to in your last answer. So could you talk a little bit about, you found your niche, you dug in, it's years later, you've really made something out of it. Now, how are you balancing it all? Um, so I want to say that when it all started out, I, I was working at full-time at the same process. And in 2014, I had a job. It was kind of cool. I was working for a newspaper, really loved everybody who was there. That got me into more restaurants just because of... Um, the Mm. accessibility of it because I I wasn't a writer. I was just like um, circulation manager. So making sure the paper got where it was supposed to go. So I've always had a job 
and was doing this. But that's also my personality where I'm always doing multiple things at once. And it might be the thing that kills me, but I'm kind of like, if this is how I go out, Jesus, let's make it happen, you know? But as it's grown and grown and as life has happened more and I had to adjust to certain changes in life, whether they're good or bad, the balance is something that I guess it just keeps me up at night. And it just becomes something where you realize if you're doing a lot of things all at once and it's making you exhausted, you would remove the things that aren't making you happy anymore. But in my mm-hmm. situation and probably like in many other people's is you have a lot of balls that you're holding, but each one of them makes you happy. So you're like, I'm not letting it go. Even as tired as I may be, I love each and every one of them. So I'm going to do them. So I would say personally, the balance comes from knowing eventually I'll get some sleep, knowing like say (laughs) next week I might use my ETO and take some time off from work so I can catch up on stuff with the website and really saying, okay, well for the next three days, I do have to focus on work because that's what's covering the majority of my expenses. That's what takes care of my health insurance and where I do get some Mm -hmm. of my purpose from. But I would say in order to find the balance, it does become a realistic question that you have to ask, which is if you don't get the balance, are you going to quit everything that you're doing or are you going to let certain things go? Because if that is the case, it it does become a hard question of, well, are you really interested in that thing that you might be letting go to begin with? Or Mm -hmm. was it just something temporary? And I mean, to be honest, that answer can go left or right. But I think for most of us, when we are carrying a bunch of things that truly make us happy, we're like, I'm going to figure it out and the balance will come when the balance comes. And if it doesn't, my followers will understand, my job will become priority, and then things will adjust as necessary. So do I have a balance? Kind of. Do I understand when the balance doesn't always happen? Absolutely. And people who watch my stories all the time, they get that. So that makes me really relieved. I mean, I think that's an incredibly important point for so many people out there who want to be bloggers or content creators in any niche. And I get this question a lot. People are like, well, how do you balance? There's so many things to do. There's so many things to learn. And, you know, I used to work full time and do this and it was exhausting. And I let my old job go because I wasn't happy there. But ultimately, you can't do everything at once. I think that's the big lesson. You cannot do everything at once. There will be times where one thing has to be prioritized over another Or you have to say, I can't, you know, be all in on this certain project right now because this one takes priority. Those, the ranking of those priorities is up to you. Mm -hmm. But I think that's a trap that a lot of of folks that I've talked to fall into where they're like, but I have to do it all. Oh yeah. I don't don't think that's realistic. Not, I I can be a testament to say from 2014 to like 2018, I thought I could do it all. Like I was going to be superwoman, killer, (laughs) full-time employee and blogger and X, Y, and Z and great friend and amazing daughter. And after I was like, yo, I'm I'm cracking at the seams here. And that's, that's normal. Don't get me wrong. There's probably that 1% outlier who is amazing at everything and more power to that person. But if you know For the rest not, of us, the rest of us, like, let me be clear. I know I'm not that girl. <laughs> like, I might be like inching close to it, but that's not me. And that took a while. It took me that four years to realize, honey, it's okay that that's not you. You just have to realize 
what you can do, your capacity, and anything that falls outside of that, that's what it is. Because to be honest, at the end of the day, there's some people who aren't even doing as much. And the fact that even you, who was running this amazing job, running this amazing website, and then getting hit up all the time, and you have a relationship, like you're married, you know? There's somebody like, who's me? I'm single like a dollar bill, so I don't have to worry about anybody else. But you had all these things already stacking on top of you and you were still running it. And then you made that conscious decision of, hey, this is no longer serving me. I'm out with your job. And you're still doing more than the average person. So I used to think if I'm not doing a thousand things or being hyper productive, that I'm not as super powerful as I used to be. And then I'm like, no, I'm still pretty badass, especially because I know people like you who are equally badass. So the balance can come, the balance will go and whatever you find within it, It'll, you'll you'll find a way to make it work always, I think is the answer. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about tools because I feel like one thing that at least when I was starting out, I didn't think people discussed enough was the nitty gritty of the tools that they use. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people talk about, oh, you need to be consistent or, oh, you need to work on your, you know, your visuals and your branding. And all of those are kind of big picture, big picture, broad concepts. And so I want to drill down a little bit about like on a day-to-day basis for your food blog, what are you using, right? What apps are you using? I know you have a camera and a phone, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and you've blogged quite a bit about where to find supplies and resources. And I'll link to all of that in the show notes. But one day in Follow My Gut, what tools are you using? So pretend situation, it's going to be my big food day pre-COVID because <laughs> okay. pre-COVID, it was easy to do everything. That day, typically go to work, get in, get out, and then I'm running to a restaurant. So the things that I would always have on hand are, is going to be my camera. I'm a Sony brat, so that's always been my camera. That was my laptop. That was my, my go-to. And right now I have the Sony a7. I think it's a great, great camera. I even love the Sony a6500. I wouldn't go lower than that one just because there's some features that they don't have that become mm-hmm. critical when you're um, running around doing blogging. That would be my go-to. I always have to have it if I'm going anywhere. I do have my my iPhone. What number it is, I honestly couldn't tell you. It's one of probably like, I couldn't even tell you. <laughs> but it's got a big screen <laughs> and it captures food beautifully. So I have that for stories and things. But I do always use my camera priority for when I'm taking pictures or doing video. The thing that no one told me about, and I wish I heard this before really getting into it, is you have to have a light especially if you take nighttime mm-hmm. photos inside of restaurants. Um, there was a point where I went to a restaurant and I never knew about lights and it was so dim and it was so orange just because it was a warm vibe. And every picture I can't, like I could adjust a setting to the end of the world. And for some yeah, reason, you I can't fix that. Couldn't fix it. Couldn't. And I was just <laughs> like, it was a, such an expensive dinner. Oh, I'm getting anxiety just thinking about it. It was such an expensive dinner that it was like, Oh my God, they're going to hate me and I'm never going to be invited back. And, for the love. Somehow Jesus came through in the middle of the night and the pictures worked out in the editing process. But I I highly suggest finding a light, especially a light that has um, tones and shades. So something that can go from cool to warm and Mm -hmm. an adapter to attach the light onto your camera. So you have at least another hand free should you need it would be 
holy grail. Light does change everything. And if you have that, it makes a big difference in all your photos. And then the other thing that I think is important for me, at least, is some sort of editing software. So whether you're using something on your camera, I mean, sorry, something on your actual phone, or you're using Photoshop or Premiere on your computer, having those really sets you up to kind of run creativity however you want it. And so at this point, I've never needed too many gadgets aside from those and then say a tripod if I'm recording any videos. And everything aside from that has just kind of come to place on its own with those together. So I have a very small amount of things, especially when I would be traveling so that I don't have to rely on too much other than what I can put in a backpack. And that's how I am now. As long as it fits in a purse, then I'm perfectly fine. I I think that's really important. Like you don't need too many gadgets, right? No. So um, I have a backpack that like I got a sleek, semi-cute, very small backpack to use as a purse because when I'm shooting, sometimes in the city, I don't want to put my bag down because yeah. it's not safe. Yeah. So I'll wear the backpack as my purse and in it, I have a small and it's really small kit that I keep that has a backup battery, a light, a power cord, and that's kind of it. And it's really small. And I keep that in there so that when I'm on the go, I always have my filming equipment. And that's really all you need unless you're going to do a lot of videography And then, like you said, you might need a tripod or a gimbal, but those are kind of like hefty. And Mm -hmm. with the new stabilization, I just got the iPhone 12 Pro Max. Look at you, fans. Well, I don't, I only shoot with my phone. I don't have Mm -hmm. a camera. Um, And I got it because I was like, okay, I need it for the camera improvements. And I have to say the video quality is so so improved over the previous I had the 11 pro Mm -hmm. and the stabilization is incredible like it is so slick for video that it really surprised me I just shot with it today and was like what like I don't have to tweak anything in these in these clips okay that's so good they're just ready like (laughs) okay if you're trying to sell me just let me know what your discount code is and I'll like because it's working I'm like I wasn't thinking about getting a new phone until here you come on this podcast and I'm like dang do I need this for real well I mean the takeaways for listeners are you need something to shoot with be it a phone or a camera a light and access to editing software and that's basically your starting point yeah with that you can go very very far um and you know, a lot of people use Lightroom, the free version, and you can get almost everything you need in the free version for uh, photo editing. What do you use for video editing? What, which one do I use? Um, I started out, what did I start? I tried using iMovie in the beginning, and it was so confusing just because I wanted to do certain things and it wouldn't let me. And so now I use Premiere, and I think it's the what's an easy way to say this? I think it's the most complicated, best thing you could ever use because once you start yeah, that using it- sounds like Premiere. <laughs> you know, oh God. When you start, I swear to God, I was about to pull out half of my hair because I just couldn't, like, I was like, what did you guys want from me? Like, this is just so confusing. And then once you get it, you're like, oh, I love you so much. Now Premiere yeah. is like my best friend. And I think there's some great um, YouTubers like Shameless Maya who really put it out there to help you understand it. Because once you get it, I feel like I'm kind of like 
Steven Spielberg, even though I'm not, I'm not, but if mm-hmm. the universe wants to align me like that, I'll take it. But once you get it, I, you feel like you're making legit movies and you start looking at things so differently. That's true. So I, I have the whole Adobe software suite and um, Premiere takes a long time to learn for mm-hmm. listeners. It is, you know, the most advanced, customizable, like they do use it for movies. Um, I always recommend if you're just getting started with video editing to use Adobe Rush first mm-hmm. for a taste and then bump up to Adobe Premiere when you're comfortable with Adobe Rush. And Adobe Rush was designed for social media. And frankly, for most um, like simple social media videos, I don't end up using Premiere anymore. See, that's because... so funny. I didn't even know about Rush. I just went straight to Premiere. Yeah, you went straight to the hardest thing that there is. Yeah. And that's why I'm so traumatized. But I made it through. Like, I am I see the other side. But what were you going to say? But, no, having used both, I, I, I try to, like, encourage folks to just pick the one they think that they're not going to they're not going to get so overwhelmed by that they'll give up. Because I've seen people give up because Premiere is complicated. It is. But it's very you complicated. Know, at the same token, if you go in with it knowing, hey, this is going to be hard or uh, like this is going to take time, then you do set yourself up a lot better to figure it out. Because I went in thinking like, oh, drag and drop, da 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 da. Where's my text tool? And it was not the same. But if you at least give yourself that kind of wherewithal to say, it's going to be difficult, I can take mm-hmm. some baby steps to figure this out and maybe go it day by day, then it'll make it a lot easier on yourself with the learning process. I mean, I think that's that's true in general about food blogging. Yeah, I, absolutely. <laughs> so do you use a uh, scheduling software to plan out your content in advance? That would make a lot of sense. And that would probably solve all of my problems. I started in the beginning using one. I was using Later just because I love that organization as a whole. And mm-hmm. then life started happening and I just got so tired of doing things in advance this makes no sense when I'm going to say this but I got tired of doing things in advance and I was like I'll just do it as it happens that shot me in the foot whatever I can admit my faults but that is something that I'm going back to so I have started using later again and it does make my life easier even though it's a, it requires you to sit down and foresee the future like you're Miss Cleo or something mm-hmm. and I I would suggest a scheduling app I would suggest something like later or a similar one just because it does help you outline everything and you can really game plan your week. The only um, disadvantage to anything like a scheduler is if something major happens in the world where you have to remember what's coming and then stop it, that'd be the only disadvantage to it. Yeah. I mean, and, and we are living during COVID times, so that could happen. And so I use later. I love when I first got started for those who are listening later, gives you analytics and it lets you schedule your social media content, but they have a bunch of free trainings. Mm-hmm. And so if you're trying to get the basics down on, if you want to learn about reels, right, this new feature and you're like, what do I do with this? How do I use it? What's it for? Guess what? Later has a training that's probably really in-depth and very simple. And so that was my first exposure to later. And I do use them for scheduling, but I don't auto-publish. Okay. I have it set to manual. So it pings me when it's scheduled, when the time comes, and then I can press publish manually. And that stops you from having to think ahead to remember everything in case, I don't know, the world ends, um, you know, there's a lockdown. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Then you (laughs) You just look insensitive and tone deaf. 
<laughs> yeah, talking about cheeseburgers when people are stuck in their house. Like, oh, okay, somebody had auto publish or not auto publish. Like, it just went. Yes. So um, that would be one of my pro tips for this modern era when things change so quickly is maybe pull back on the auto publishing because you can be made to look a fool on accident. Yeah. And that's so this is another another process that I think is important. I feel like your content is always really rooted in the here and now. Thank you. You write, you know, clearly you write your captions with an eye to what's happening in your community, with an eye to how you feel, like it's very present. And so how and and maybe you could talk about more importantly why you do that because i think that's something that is really important and i found to be missing in quite a bit of food content in recent months especially like like you said it's locked down and restaurants are closed but you're posting about a cheeseburger and that place isn't even open right now like could you talk a little bit about your process yeah so a lot of it for me is really where are other people how are they in their headspace compared to where I am? Because I would hate to be boasting about, oh my God, this like amazing sushi dinner that's super expensive when people aren't getting stimulus checks. You know, that's something Mm -hmm. really horrific that's happening right now where people are struggling. And that was somewhere where I was from 2017 up to 2000, early 2019, where money was basically non-existent. And I was just struggling for such a long time. And I would hate to be talking about things like that when other people are in a similar position. So Mm -hmm. a lot of what I will be doing really will be, I might post a photo about a cheeseburger, but in the caption, it's really talking about, hey, how are you feeling right now? What are you most proud of today? Or how are you feeling about this year? Even if you're not going after big goals, even something small, like I I mentioned, like, oh, I'm growing out my eyebrows. It's something small, but it's something that makes me happy. Like, what is your small win that you are doing right now? And sometimes, since we can't go out, I personally transitioned from taking photos in restaurants to learning how to take them at home. And Mm -hmm. that was a hard one for me, because I know a lot of really great photographers and the sword is, you know, that should be inspiring to you. But at the same time, it's also something that makes you a little bit apprehensive to try because you're kind oh, of yeah. like, I'm not as good as David or I'm not as good as Stephanie. But Stephanie and David both started somewhere. So I put myself through this 30 day photo challenge where I would just force myself to take kind of stop photography pictures at home. And that became something that made me better at something that I was terrified to do. And a lot of it becomes, hey, we're all stuck at home. Most of us can't go out, but what can you try to do that will make you feel better about yourself and also make you feel like you've accomplished something? Yeah. To, to a degree, getting out of bed is an accomplishment in 2020. But if you can get out of bed and also make a baby step towards something else, that's great. And that's what I try to have a lot of my captions or um, some of my conversation and stories be about like, where are you? What makes you happy right now? And then tie that back to food somehow, sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I think it's an example of your ability to tell a story, to relate to people as people, and to, you know, bring more into your food content than just, hey, this cheeseburger has tons of cheese on it. Watch the cheese drip. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, even if you can't afford it, like, watch it. And then you're yeah. like, what the hell? <laughs> Come on, guys. 
And so I do. I think it's really important as a lesson. And this is something when food bloggers approach me and they, they're asking, well, what are some of your tips? I, you know, sometimes I'll look at their accounts. I've ended up doing quite a few kind of like uh, account analyses to give mm-hmm. them some examples. And a lot of what I end up seeing is content that's not rooted in the here and now. Right. So your reaction to 2020 can be whatever it is. Everyone's different. But if you are not even acknowledging on a surface level what's happening around us, oh, that's crazy. it just seems disjointed, I think, to the reader, to the audience, because everyone's life has been disrupted. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's completely <laughs> insensitive. And it's like one thing if you don't know how somebody who may have worked in hospitality feels because you've never worked in a restaurant or in a hotel. Mm -hmm. But to be completely oblivious of that, that's where, you know, you kind of have to take a step back and think, how come you don't think of somebody else? Like in your stories alone, you kind of emphasize the need to really be considerate about people who are working in the service industry, about people whose livelihoods Mm -hmm. come from their baby restaurant that they've made in maybe like 2019 and is now is like up in the air this year. And that's something I am like in awe of because there's some people who did it, especially in the very beginning, and then they don't do it at all. And you're just like, oh, cool. <laughs> Screw us. You, you, mean, know? You, you mean like the Black Lives Matter I, was, I wasn't trying to go down that route, but since you drove us there, exactly. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, that's cool. You're not interested anymore. <laughs> well, you know, look, this episode is our is my Christmas bonus. And it's all about our two, you know, perspectives, our pro tips for food blogging. Yeah, but absolutely. Those, those perspectives are definitely going to be rooted in the fact that we are both black women, mm-hmm. right? That that is part of our experience in the food blogging space, um, and we have different kind of different takes on how we approach food. We have very different photography styles, but like mm-hmm. that is an experience that we share, and so that's not going to be separate from our pro tips. Yeah, so it's true. So <laughs> as much as I, I joke and I'm like, oh god, here we go, because neither one. I feel like once this topic opens, it's like we opened a can of worms. Here, here it comes. You know, <laughs> yes, we like, did. It's but, very funny. But they'll survive. Yeah, Um, they have. And okay, so I love this. I love your approach, right? It's rooted in the here and now. Try to keep it real and personal and just think about what your audience and your community might be experiencing that that's going to be relative, relevant to your content always. You don't need tons of equipment, just editing software. Make sure you do have a light. I mean, even for shooting at home, unless you have tons of natural light year round, you're eventually going to have to invest in a light. So get a light. Um, And then what would be your final kind of pro tip, something really specific for people out there who want to get into food blogging, who feel so overwhelmed and don't even know where to start? I guess the thing that I recently and I'm considering writing this, but this is one of the things where I'm like, damn, I'm really letting you know where I failed is the pro tip I wish I had known from the jump would have been um, to really service yourself on all platforms that you want to be on equally. Mm. Because when I started, I was like, there's too much happening. And this is mainly because I was full-time and I'm also, you know, still full-time now. But if you're in a similar situation where you're starting this and you're full-time, 
or you're even starting this and you don't have another job, the tip is still the same. But it's really, if you're going to be on a website, Instagram, Facebook, um, TikTok, and all of these other platforms to really devote yourself equally in each one. And now that's really spreading yourself thin. And I, I, I can see you probably thinking like, oh my God, that's so much time. That's so much work. And it is. But I would rather you do all of that work in the beginning and grow all of your accounts as time is progressing than to have be only on your website, be only on Instagram. And then uh-huh. like eight months later, you're like, oh shit, Twitter. And now you got to go run and start on Twitter. And then another app comes out. Oh, God dang it, TikTok. And now you got to start growing there. And that was the mistake I did because I really could not foresee doing so much all at once. And I look at it now and I'm just like, I really wish I had done all of it at once, made equal time, or at least made myself equally present on each one so uh-huh. that I wouldn't be in a position now where I'm like, Oh God, do I got to go start this TikTok thing? You know, I'm really like starting By to the way, old. Yes, you do have to start the TikTok thing and you're going to be great on TikTok because you're so funny Thank naturally. You. And so your personality is so present. And like, I struggle with that because I'm not, you know what? I'm not funny. And the only time I really have like personality is when I'm angry. But no, you do. Because when you really talk about like the stuff that you love, you're like, girl, let's get into it. And I'm like, one second, I'm going to grab my popcorn. And it's like, <laughs> play. And I start tuning in. And that's when it's like, oh, shit, she going. <laughs> but, but you're so right. TikTok, I do have to get on TikTok. You got to Te- just do it. So, but that's the other thing. Technically, I'm on all of these things. Like, okay, pretend scenario, you're really like, I can't. I just can't. At least secure your name on all of them. Yes. Because, like, get I have my name, name on all of them. On I everything. did not get my name on Twitter because there's How? some. It, so, yeah, funny story. So, my last name, Malik or Malik. Um, no, is... which one is it? So, Black people say Malik, Arabs say Malik, right? Oh, okay. They're literally the same name. Um, but it is a common name in the Arab community as well as the black community. So there's oh. some, there's some man who has the original feed the Malik on Twitter, who based off of the profile information I saw, looks like he's Arab, but then it looks like he was spamming people because he oh. got shut down. He got Wait, shut down. So I have feed underscore the underscore Malik on Twitter because Wait, when I got couldn't shut get, down, you couldn't get it. No, no. I, I don't know what he was doing, but would you want to buy late. it from him or you're like, don't go down that road? No, no, no. It's too late. But I think okay. that's really to get us back on track now that I, I got us fully off track. Me um, too. Don't worry. It was both of us. No. So I think this is a really important conversation. So just being on one platform is risky, especially if that platform is going to be a social media platform where you're basically renting space. You don't own the space, right? Mm-hmm. Your account can get taken down like the original Feed the Malik's on Twitter, or I've had friends get hacked and their accounts were taken down. They never got them back. They were, you know, 10,000, 20,000, 30,000. You can get, for example, if you've built a really strong web following um, and you've really ranked up your Google search results, your SEO, and you're getting tens of thousands of hits from Google, Google could change its algorithm and then <laughs> your traffic dies. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's really good advice to A, immediately, if you're sure you want to do this, get your handles on all platforms, get your domain name, but then also invest in I wouldn't say invest in all platforms equally because I would that just makes me like anxious to think about it does. even now. It does so much work. But maybe pick three. 
at the beginning that you're going to really be like, I'm going to learn the ins and outs of these three. You are always going to be stronger in one or maybe two than the other. There's always going to be one that you don't really like or you're not as good at. And they're not going to grow equally as fast because each platform is different. Levels of saturation are different. But it's just a safer bet if you are serious about making this you know, a, a business or a significant part of your life to invest in multiple platforms. And you know, that's probably the better way of looking at it because if, let's be honest, we know a ton of people who are doing this just for free food, or we know mm-hmm. a ton of people who just want like some celebrity status and that's cool. Do you by all means more power to you? But if you're looking at something like this and you're more on the idea of like, oh yeah, I kind of just want to do this for like three or five years, then it's like, oh, okay, do whatever you want. I think the advice that, or the tips that we have are more for people who are like, I want to do this as long as possible, or I want to do this and make this my career. So if that's the case, then we're probably going to meet in the middle on it and just say, be on the platforms that you think are going to be best and try to like um, kind of divest as much time as possible into as, I guess, as many as you're on. But like when I say it was my mistake is because I was letting Facebook just fall asleep for months or Mm -hmm. I was never checking in on Twitter. And that's detrimental. And you really don't want to be in that position. Like learn from my mistake, don't do it. But that's only for the person who is like, this is something I want to do long, long, long term. I think that's really good advice though. Like just even if you're not going to be super active on it, just don't let it go to sleep. Yeah. Like you can, you can auto post from your Instagram to mm-hmm. your Facebook. Let me, okay, I wasn't doing Facebook? even just that. Just do that. Just do it's, that. It's such a simple thing too. Absolutely. And I'm going to link in the show notes to the blog post you wrote about finding props for photography. That was really useful for me as well. Um, I went through the, I think a similar process when COVID began, I was not used to shooting food at home. I'm awful at staging to this day. And no, not, not, I swear, no, no, I'm no, cutting no. you off because you're really not, I don't, don't even say that anymore. Like if you not can edit that out, I would be like, edit that out. Cause that's not <laughs> true. She's lying. This is the one time she's probably lying. Cause she's really good. Well, but when you're friends with professional photographers, oh, yeah, there's that. how far you have to go. <laughs> right. I'm an amateur realizing how far I have to go, but it forced me to learn really quickly when suddenly all my favorite spots were closed and Mm -hmm. and I'm still not comfortable with dining. So invest in some props does not have to cost a lot of money and just play with them. I loved the 30 day photo challenge you did where you just, you you said every day for a month, I'm going to do a little setup on my photography board that you use as a backdrop. And I'm going to take photos every day even if it's just like one day you had like a like an old fake typewriter and like a mug yeah don't, <laughs> don't be saying like all 30 days were fire because they weren't like there are some days where it's like oh you uh you tried did you and it's like that sometimes and especially you know you're not gonna always have beautifully plated you know professional food to shoot either sometimes you're gonna have to make it work with stuff at home yeah so I will link to that um, blog post in the show notes, but also just if anyone is interested in learning more about the ins and outs of blogging, I would highly recommend following Danielle at Follow My Gut because she drops so much knowledge and tips, particularly in her Instagram stories about really, I think, accessible and affordable ways to make high quality content that really speaks to people, which is that's what you want, right? You want to connect with people and you want people to 
resonate with what you put out. So Danielle, thank you so much for dropping a little bit of knowledge today. And I think this will be the perfect little Christmas episode for our food blogger friends. You know, thank you so much for letting me be on here with you. I I genuinely can't recall how we found each other through Instagram. At this point, I really don't care um, just because I'm so happy to know you. And I'm so happy that I have a circle that includes somebody as motivated and inspiring and somebody with so much gumption as you because that really resonates with me so as fun as this is I'm also just like I just like being in your presence even on the other side of the country so thank you absolutely I feel the same way and I think that's the best thing about the food community at least the one that we've built yeah is a circle of people who are really like fun and yeah there's some there's I love that word gumption there's some gumption in there (laughs) yeah like there's some great, great people. And I think once you find them, wherever you may be in your food journey, it just makes it so much better and so much more exciting to be a part of it. Don't get me wrong. There's some trash ass people too, but the amazing people make it so worthwhile. That is absolutely true. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to Magic at the Margins. That officially wraps the end of the first season. If you're interested in learning more about any of the tools, apps, sources and information that Danielle and I spoke about, then feel free to DM us on Instagram. I'm at Feed the Malik. She's at Follow My Gut. I will also put links in the show notes to the resources that are on Danielle's website, followmygut.com. Or you can go to my site, feedthemalik.com, and look under my recommendations. You will find all of the podcasts, books, filters, everything that I use to run Feed the Malik. Both Danielle and I truly believe in sharing what we know, and hopefully you can find it useful. As always, I hope that food can bring a few more of us together, and thanks for rocking with me this first season.